0: So let's turn to Romans chapter 8, which is found on page 1134 of your pew Bibles, uh, reading from verse 12 through to 17. That's page 1134. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. And if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship.
1: Sarah, thank you very much. It was December 1995, and that year I was, I was working in Bristol, and at weekends I would travel home to my family in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. And it was Friday night, I was doing the long drive from west to east. And as I was driving along, suddenly the heavens opened, and down came this massive snow shower. Now the, the, the weather people, they, they had known it was coming. My dad had phoned the night before say, son, bad weather tomorrow, drive carefully, be safe. But what my dad didn't realize is that I was 18, and I really was the best driver in the world. No small little snow shower was going to tame these driving skills. So I carried on driving, and I was fine, I was completely fine, until I was about a mile from home. Until the moment I I turned off the main road, the gritted road, onto the little lane that led to my house. It was a little lane that led downhill to my house and uh, as I got to the top of that hill ungritted and just dabbed on the brakes, cautious, uh, the car wasn't stopping. If anything, it was speeding up and we were then at this point sort of skidding rather unceremoniously into into a snowdrift right at the bottom of the hill and I was stuck I was completely stuck. And actually, it felt quite a dangerous situation because, you know, if this hill had caught me out, even me, I mean, the next driver who comes down this hill, they're going to go straight into the back of my car. So what do you do in that moment? What do you do in the situation? I can't quite remember how. There were no mobile phones back then. I think I probably went into a, a local resident's house and borrowed their phone, and I phoned my dad. And I said, Dad help, I'm stuck. And in a flash, Dad was there. He got the car out the snowdrift, he checked I was okay, and and we headed safely home. There wasn't even a hint of I told you so. Dad, help. That is the sense of these six little verses in Romans 8. I've I've really loved looking at these verses this week. They're verses that speak... Of our identity. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these verses contain the most profound truth about who you are. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, just thinking through the Christian faith, these, these verses contain the most astonishing offer for you. They're, they're great verses. We're going to look at them under just two headings. They're there on the back of your service order, if that's a help for, for you. We've got identity, which brings help today, identity that brings help today, we'll spend most of our time there, and identity which brings hope for tomorrow. But we'll begin with identity which brings help today. And if you've been here the last few weeks, as we've, we've traveled through Romans chapter 8 together, you'll, you'll have seen the flow of Paul's argument in this chapter. Chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is a great promise. No guilty verdict awaiting those who are trusting in Jesus. And why? Verse 3. Because what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, so you and I in our fleshliness, completely incapable of keeping God's moral law, so instead God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In Jesus, through his death on the cross, God condemned sin in the flesh, in human flesh. That is, the punishment for our sins was paid so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Now, is that just not incredible? Jesus did what we could never do so that his righteous perfection Could become ours. You're allowed to smile at that. It's called good news for a reason. All those areas of life that leave you feeling guilty and inadequate and burdened—you will know what they are. But Jesus says, "That was me. No, I'll I'll take the responsibility for that. I'll I'll take the blame. You can take my righteousness. Do you know that joy? It, It is an offer." That leaves each of us with two ways to live. We can either live according to the flesh, verse 5, with our minds set on what the flesh desires. That's how Paul describes it. It is the the I want, I can, I will way of life. It's all about me. It's all about me, and it sounds like freedom, but it really isn't. My guess is that, that many of us will have found that out the hard way. It's either mindset on what the flesh desires or, and it looks completely different, but or we can live life in accordance with the Spirit. That is to say, letting God's Word guide us, trusting what God has done rather than what we can do. Letting His will shape our lives rather than our will. Letting the indwelling voice of His Spirit guide us and prompt us two ways to live. And actually, Paul, he's saying here, Christian believer, just live out who you are. So verse 9 of Romans chapter 8, he says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now that if there, verse 9, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, it's not really an if as in the sense of if maybe. More helpful here to, to read it as a since. Paul's not trying to worry Christians. Maybe you've got the Spirit, maybe you haven't. No, his logic's clear. He's saying, Christian believer, you do belong to Christ. So you do have the Spirit. So live a life led by the Spirit. Do you see that flow? It's really important we get the flow as we come to these verses. Christian believer, you do do belong to Christ, so you do have the Spirit, so live life in the Spirit. And it's that flow that brings us to verse 12. Look at our, uh, down with me uh, again and see how Paul continues. Chapter 8, verse 12, where we read, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, or literally, we are debtors. We have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Actually, stronger than that, it's you will certainly die. And the death here isn't an earthly death. He's speaking of an eternal death. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, do you hear the the two ways to live being played out here? The fleshly life, the I want, I can, I will. But it's a path that leads to death. Or the spirit-filled life, the path which says, not my will, but but your will, God. I want to live for you. I want to put to death fleshliness. That is the path to life. True, free, and eternal life. So hopefully you can hear what, what Paul's saying, how he's urging the Christian believers in Rome to live. He's saying, choose the path of life. Choose it. But do you see the problem? Maybe you're feeling it. Let me ask you, how, how do these verses make you feel? When you hear, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. As you hear that, how do you feel? Are you left feeling the burden? Are you left replaying the week gone by? The choices you've made, the actions you've taken, and they, they start to, trickle back into your mind and you're thinking dumb choice selfish moment there you regret the things you've done maybe you're not even at the point of regret yet and you're left thinking I can't do it the misdeeds of my body they are alive and well I've not put them to death and when you're there you read these verses and you think this doesn't feel like good news at all feels like a burden therefore brothers and sisters we have an obligation but it's not to the flesh and you think well there clearly is still an obligation then still a duty doesn't sound like good news in the slightest but notice that paul doesn't continue that way he doesn't return to the obligation and say look you don't have an obligation to the flesh you have an obligation to the spirit he doesn't say that because he's going to paint the picture of the christian life a different way so verse 14 and we really need to hear these verses Romans 8 verse 14 for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again you hear that so that that sinking feeling in your stomach as you're told put to death misdeeds of the body that the fearful burden of guilt Paul's saying no no that's not it there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or verse 15, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Don't head down that path, Christian believer. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That one verse completely turns the Christian faith on its head. Get this verse wrong, miss it out, and you'll miss the joy of the Christian faith. By him we cry, Abba, Father. I remember the moment when um, we sat, Tuckwell family, in a court in in Tunbridge Wells, and um, we're sitting in front of a judge, and the judge, he signed the paperwork and my foster sister, Alex, she became my adopted sister, Alex. She became a permanent, legal, and loved member of the Tuckwell family. It was a great day. We even went out to Mackie to celebrate. The Tuckwell family really know how to party. That was a great day. How much greater this day. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Christian believer, if, if you're trusting that Jesus died and rose again, to forgive your sins. You see, it's not simply that you are forgiven in a, in a go away, don't do that again kind of sense. Very easy to picture it that way. No, you are adopted. God the Father through the work of his Son and the indwelling of his Spirit has made you a permanent, legal and loved member of his family that is your identity it's who you are and we need to ask ourselves have we grasped this truth if you're a follower of Jesus does this truth shape your life that moment when life feels as though it's completely falling apart all your hopes and dreams just lying in tatters When everything you have lived for, it just feels like it's running away, like water through your hand. In that moment, have you learnt to say to yourself, I am a child of the eternal creator God. He loves me. He loves me with an unending, unbreakable love that he loves his perfect son, Jesus Christ, who died for me. That is how he loves me. This is a permanent truth. It will not change. He he has given me his spirit and he's made me his son, his daughter. I don't think there is a more precious truth in this universe than this truth. I I really don't. Our lives so quickly become a a tangled mess of complex and broken identities. We, We don't know who we are. We get lost in life and it hurts. But your creator God says to you, You are my child. The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. So Paul's very deliberately not saying we have an obligation to live according to the spirit. He's saying if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the spirit of Jesus. And by him, end of verse 15, by him we cry, Abba, Father. Are those not great words? By him we cry, Abba. Father. I have to say, before this week, I liked those words. I thought they were sort of nice, cuddly kind of words. Abba is the Aramaic for dad. Oh, that's great, isn't it? I can call God my dad, my papa. That's lovely. This is so much better than that. This is saying, in our battle against our fleshliness, so I've heard my dad's words drive carefully, son, the snow is coming and I find myself sliding sliding down the hill again, making a mess of life again, and I'm dumped in a snowdrift at the bottom of the hill. I'm stuck. In that moment, I can cry out, Dad, help. I've got it wrong again. Abba, Father, I need you. It's not soft and cuddly. It's a battle cry. It's a cry that says, Dad, in this fight against sin my stubborn and proud selfishness. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. And actually, it is the same cry that Jesus Christ made. Um, I don't often do this, but um, stick your service sheet in Romans chapter 8, or stick a finger in there. We're coming back. But turn with me to page 1021. I want to turn to Mark chapter 14. Page 1021. page 1021, Mark chapter 14. Jesus, this is the night before he's crucified. He's in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And we get these words, Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Get not what I will, but what you will. Do you see the pattern you see the, the two ways of life the way of the fleshly life and the way of the spirit led life. Jesus is in the battle in this moment. He he dreads the cross. He knows the consequences of our sin, and he's about to bear those consequences on our behalf. He feels the battle. But what does he do in the battle? Abba. Father. And as he makes that battle cry, so his resolve is strengthened. And he says, N- not what I will, but what you will. And his pattern needs to be our bat- pattern. So in the, in the moment of the battle, the wrestling, whatever fleshliness it might be for you, whether it's temptation to gossip, battling with greed, um, internet sites that have got nothing to do with the spirit-led life, laziness, impatience, you- you'll know what it is. And if you don't know where your battle is at the moment, find a good friend and ask them to help you find your area of battle, because we're all battling. But the question is, have you learnt in the battle, in that moment of fleshly temptation, have you learnt the joy of crying, Abba, Father, Dad, help? Because it is, it is the great privilege of the Christian life to remind ourselves of who we are and to ask our Heavenly Father for his Help. And just as uh, my dad, in the snowdrift, he came to me in a flash, checked I was okay, got me out, led me safely home. Not a hint of I told you so. So our Heavenly Father, through his Spirit, who lives in the life of every Christian believer, he will strengthen us. He will help us in the battle to live for him. That's what we have in in verse 16. Flip back to to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 16. It's page 1135, if you lost it. Romans 8, verse 16, where we read, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you get that? that? That as we see his spirit, the Holy Spirit, strengthen our spirit to live the spirit-led life. That encourages us all the more. It is working. He is helping. It, it teaches us to keep crying out, Abba, Father, I'm your child. Your, your spirit has brought me into your family. I need your help. We need to get this right. It is our identity. It's who we are. And it's identity that brings us help Today. And our time's almost gone, but just notice with me how Paul ends these verses under the heading, Identity That Brings Hope for Tomorrow. And we're in verse 17 here, verse 17 of Romans 8, where Paul writes, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Uh, Debs will remember this moment. As we sat in front of the, the judge, she's my sister, that's why she'll remember this moment. Um, we're, we're, we're adopting my little sister. Uh, the legal bits were done, so the pronouncements were made, the paperwork was signed, and the judge said, um, I think he asked Alex to, to come and just take an envelope. He had an envelope for her, and he came, she came and she took the envelope. And inside that envelope, I can't remember the exact amounts, neither could my parents. I think it was about 250 pounds, but it was a fee, that the judge was receiving for overseeing this court proceeding. He didn't want it. He wanted Alex to have it. So Alex left court that day with a new identity and a new bank account. Verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. New identity, children of God. And a new bank account. Alex is now in my parents' will. I was going to bring it today and read it out. I thought it might be slightly awkward with my sister here. You never quite know what you're going to find. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you get just how unfathomable that is? The whole of creation belongs to Jesus Christ. It is for him. All praise and glory and honor belong to him. But through faith in him, you can share in those eternal blessings. In this inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you. That is the great privilege of being a child of God. That is a truth that helps us press on in the hardship of life today. Because you'll know this, this this world is a mess. This world is full of disappointment. We disappoint ourselves, other people disappoint us. And it hurts. But as we we see the things that we have longed for and cling to, as we see them disappear through our fingers like water, we have the joy of reminding ourselves now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And then just notice how it ends. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share In his glory. That is the Gethsemane moment. If we will be those who will press on in the battle, crying out, Abba Father, not my will, but your will, if we'll endure the hardship of fighting the flesh, sharing the sufferings of Christ, then wonderfully we will know the great delight, help for today, hope for tomorrow of being children. Children of an eternal creator, God. We need these truths. We need to remind each other of these truths. We have a glorious identity in Jesus Christ. Let me lead us in prayer. Sovereign Lord, Abba, Father, Father, what joy it is, what privilege it is to be able to come before you in those terms, to call you our dad, to know the promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you have given your spirit to equip us to live for you. But Father, we are foolish, you know that. In our better moments, we know that. And so we pray that you would help us to be people of faith, people who learn in the battle again and again to turn to you, to cry out, Abba, Father, and to see the strengthening power of your Spirit at work in us as we seek to live for Jesus. We ask this in his most precious name. Amen.